from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. Oops, you did it again. You just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. As always, this episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor and SAP Global Platinum Partner, Sador. That's S-E-I-D-O-R. If your business is ready to move off QuickBooks, ready to start, take that next step up, you know, because you want to automate your business processes and things like that, reach out. Sador.com. Reach out to me personally. We'll get you hooked up. From mom and pop to large enterprise, we have an SAP solution that fits all businesses. Now let's get back to today's episode. A former police officer turned into author? Ooh, that's an interesting career transformation, isn't it? I can't believe it. It's a great story, and I cannot wait to share. So who do we have today? None other than Joseph Fair. Joseph Patrick Fair, an author, is a prolific writer in the field of self-help and police fiction with 10 years of experience and a passion for helping others. He has crafted a unique writing style that resonated with readers worldwide. His books focus on overcoming adversity, confronting inner demons, and living life to the fullest. They are an inspiration to many and an example of resilience and tenacity. He strives to create meaningful stories that resonate with people of all ages and backgrounds. And right there, you can see the book To Die a Hero by Joseph Patrick Fair. So without further delay, I'm going to shut up. Let's bring Joseph right on in here. Business strategy. Joseph, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. Thank you. Thank you, David Strausser. It's my honor to be on your podcast. I've been looking forward to this. We had a little communication thing, getting this thing scheduled, but I'm super excited, super excited about being here and having a really valuable insightful conversation, maybe throw a few gems of uh, value to your listeners and your community. I'm grateful that we were able to kind of connect, but it is hard because I mean, this show, you got to remember, we do one episode a week and we get a lot of interest coming into this show and it's just hard to get everybody on fast. I can get everybody on. It's just a matter of when, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a tough point. Some people end up having to wait six, nine, 12 months to get on. And I apologize. It's just the way it is. We I only have so much bandwidth a week. We talked in February and I think it's appropriate to get in by June. And I appreciate you getting me into season seven. That was uh, very honorable of you. Yeah. Yep, yep. You'll be there for beginning of season seven at this point. So anyways, we do have a tradition on this show. Very first question we ask every single guest. It's been over 200 episodes now is what's your background? What's your experience? What do you do for a living? How'd you get there? Basically, in a nutshell, tell us what makes Joseph Joseph. All right. Well, uh, I was born here in West Michigan, to a very interested and talented family. When I was very young, I became interested in firefighting, law enforcement. Uh, I grew up in a family with a family business. And later on, I kind of uh, decided I want to put all my time and energy into serving uh, the community. So went through the fire academy, uh, switched over about seven years to the police department, 
left the police department in uh, 2020 when I retired to uh, continue giving to the community. I decided to write a fiction novel called to die a hero, end of watch one. And I like, I like how you have that on the bottom there, where it says because anybody, okay, so you all know we have audio and video versions of this show, but on the bottom of the book, you could see a novel from a from former cop Joseph Patrick Flair, uh, and I, I think that's cool that you have a story that's to die a hero that shows like kind of like a blurry police scene in the background. Uh, for audio listeners, just want to kind of give that visual. Um, and then you have the novel from a former cop down on the bottom. I, I think that's cool. I think it gives it a little bit more flair, I guess you could say. When I was doing police work, occasionally I would have a flash of insight. I would have a light bulb moment and I would say, I don't want to take going on this call. I don't want to take it and use it in a book, but I want to take the experience I had and how it affected me. And then I want to repurpose that uh, experience I had and put it into a book to teach other people, motivate other people to go into it. So I looked at writing a nonfiction book about it. I realized conflicts of interest. I figured out the nonfiction was the way to go. And the story is a classic Joseph Campbell hero's journey about a cop that shows up and he's not necessarily motivated by the proper uh, things in life. And then he falls off the horse a couple of times. He's got to dust himself off. He's got to face a little bit of his own uh, failures and his own uh, personality problems. And then through the book, there's a journey for anybody to see in the story arc where he becomes a much more uh, responsible person, a better cop. And then at the end, there's a natural disaster. And he's got to uh, rally the troops around to solve a natural disaster and save people's lives. Wow, that that's uh, that sounds like a great story. So I've got to ask, I mean, we've had a lot of... Well, hold on, let me take a step back. We've got a lot to unpack with that introduction there. But... Let's start with the book because we finished with that. Uh, then we'll get to the the policing and stuff like that afterwards. Um, but with the book, how did you write that? We've had a lot of creative people like you onto the show. And this is your only book. Is that correct? I had a book before this called uh, Life and Death in Small Town America. It came out 2017. I didn't know what I was doing on the first book and I winged it. And on the second book, I hired a book coach and got consultants, and it turned out much better. So the other book's too old to talk about, but the new book uh, has done well. I will be transparent about the fact that I was born with a learning disability called dyslexia, and dyslexia affects your ability to spell and read. I happen to have the right mother that got me to a tutor and worked me past that. But the superpower of dyslexia is creativity, and you see things in life. I think the average person sees things in life, but the bell doesn't ring, and they say, this is an opportunity. I went to a, a rollover car accident. I went to a lot of these things like that. People were screaming. It was chaos or whatever. Somehow in my mind, my mind said, you got to get back to the damn station and write this down in a binder. And then over a long period of 25 years, I had several binders with just outlines and ideas and I also have a pretty good memory. So I went back and took those, fictionalized them, and repurposed them in the book. And then I still had to hire 
a professional book coach and editor proofreader to stitch the story together because it was really it was really broken and it was a series of small, short stories so it wasn't really like you just sat at the typewriter like you see uh, i guess maybe tv shows or or netflix or whatever where you have a writer just typing out a story uh you know it wasn't exactly like that to degree um but i've also seen the opposite end where you have people with like post-its all over you know like trying to piece things together with a vision board with strings on it a lot of starts and a lot of stalls when i finally got with the right writing coach and the right editor and proofreader the story started to take shape and that i saw the value of it just skyrocket and then i said oh my god i had a clunky story now i've got a very good book and that process was super exciting to go through that and then i have to give credit to susan well with the proofreading sorry i didn't mean to interrupt there but with the proofreading and the editing did you feel like they chopped out any parts that you were really fond of that should have been in? It, it, it did. Uh, when it went to final edits to get the end of the story right, they had to cut out a few chapters in uh, 26 chapters. Yeah, 26 and 7 had to come out to make the end right. But I didn't understand that writing a book like this, usually write three, end of watch one, end of watch two, and end of watch three. So therefore, you got to save some of the real good stuff to go in the second book. If you give it all on the front first book, the second book fails. It just doesn't. So you have to look at it as a three-book project. And it's a little like making sausage. You know, you get some really good bacon. And that has to actually come out. It's got to go into the support the second book. And then you have to write a little bit of fill-in. So, yes, I'm no expert at this, but I can tell you that writing a book involves a long-term vision and possibly at least a sequel or a third book. Well, that sounds that sounds exciting. It sounds fun. None of it's lost. It's sitting in another Google Doc. Do you get that? Right, 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 right. And hopefully we'll see the light of the day one day in another one of those um, those books. I mean, what I was looking was, I forgot the name of it. Most people would never forget the name of this, but you have to also remember that I have not done as many things as most people have. Um, so one of my, here it is, I have it here. One of my bucket list items is I'm a character in a book. I am President David Strasser. Uh, and this is in the book Infinity Born. Um, it was written in May of 2017, and I just happened to get a, a, you know, a letter in the mail from the author as a thank you because he didn't learn, he didn't know social media. He knew Facebook, but he didn't understand LinkedIn. He didn't understand Twitter. He didn't understand Instagram. He's like, "How do I use this?" And I'm like, "Okay, here." I made him a couple two, three page guides in each one. And I sent it to him and I'm like, here you go. Just because I love your books. They're amazing. And one of the first authors, nonfiction authors that I, um, uh, you know, or fiction authors that I ran into that I really, really, really loved. And, you know, out of nowhere, three, four years later, I mean, he straight up, uh, you know, just makes me a character. He's like, hey, just so you know, President David Strasser appears in Affinity Born, Born and uh, 
It was at a book by uh, Douglas E. Richards, who's a, a New York Times bestselling author. So it's also not like it was a nobody author that just made me a character in his book. I mean, this is a, a New York Times bestselling author. I think I could arrange for you to be in a second book, too. We'll have to talk when we get off air, but I got to get permission. It's got to be written. And uh, if you're interested, maybe get you a small part in a movie because I'm connected to people uh, that make movies. I had a, a cameo in the movie uh, Suburban Night. It's about night, like uh, Night in Cheyenne. I ended up working on this project with C. John Thomas in Hollywood. And then at the very end, a couple of people folded on the extras. And then he called me last minute. He emailed me and he said, hey, um, we need your... Uh, to sit at the table opposite the star character, you're going to have two or three lines. And then I did all it. They moved, they muted out, they muted out my lines, but I'm there on the right side of the cafe scene. I think about two minutes of that movie. I had a similar experience. I was in movie once, but uh, I will take the offer up anytime to be in another, another movie. It's we'll have to work on that. We'll have to network and get you in another movie. Yeah. That's uh, so anybody out there, I'm open. You know, I don't need to be a star. I just need a little cameo. You know, Shark Bite Biz cameo on a on a, some kind of movie. That'd be pretty, pretty, pretty gnarly. Let's talk about the commercial part of the book. Do you mind? And again, if this is territory that you don't want to go into. Um, we won't because some people it's personal. Other people it's not. How was the book commercially? Was it successful? Was it a failure? How, how do you gauge that? Yeah, I will tell you that I walked into it with unrealistic expectations. I think I assumed it would sell a million copies the first year. And I think we're all biased of our own uh, work and we don't really have a way to judge it. Uh, I discovered part of the way through after the book launched that the marketing is probably half of a book. When you actually get the book to publishing, uh, that's half of the project. And then the marketing is the second half. Uh, I did hire a marketing manager off Fiverr. She did wonderful job for me. Uh, the book has created a author platform, but uh, it's just, it's been a minimal seller as far as on the rating at Amazon. And at one point I considered that a failure, but when I reframed the thing, and looked at the fact that I've monetized a whole bunch of other stuff, public speaking, Facebook, social media, ads. It's connected me with a ton of people who are super famous. I would have to call the book a success uh, as a project, but not necessarily a success as far as becoming a bestseller. Okay, okay. that that That's fair, and I think that's understandable. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that marketing making money business oftentimes sometimes it's kind of, it's like it goes into a black box you know and yeah you are making money doing this or doing that but maybe it wasn't through the direct path that you thought which like with you it was i'm going to write a book the book is going to sell bam i'm going to be making money but and instead, you know, you're doing it a roundabout way. It's kind of like SEO in a way, if you think about it, how SEO works, you know, like uh, having backlinks and be it on other sites and, and stuff like that. Like we were talking about with your magazine article earlier uh, today, same exact thing. The book pivoted me to Heart of Hollywood magazine, 
then I got a job writing on the blog there. And then that has been uh, good. It's been good, but not great. I often get people on LinkedIn reach out to me. They want me to collaborate on a project. Uh, I'm in talks with the nonprofit right now uh, to help them on a startup. So clearly being an author has been super valuable, but I've had to pivot on my expectations of how the revenue is going to come in. It hasn't really come. When I look at the total cost of the book, the production and the marketing and all that, and the total revenue, it's been pretty much a net net neutral, but all the other things that have pivoted from it have been a net positive. And I guess in retirement, I would call it success. But like you said, connected success, first action, pivot, second action success. I'm in a third generation of pivot right now with self-help writing and whatnot, and it's getting traction. I'm getting on big podcasts. Um, and we'll get you on Joe Rogan one day. If young Jamie is listening, Joe Rogan, call me, send me a message on LinkedIn. I'm coming on. I'll give you the best performance you've ever seen, Joe Rogan. Hey, he's had some uh, wild and crazy shows. Unbelievable things. And the podcast is incredible. I mean, whether like even I'm not going to say the name because of YouTube and all the other algorithms, but AJ and you can look at some of the guests that he has that have people that start with AJ on there, a very controversial figure. I'm sure you can probably assume who it is, whether or not you like the guy, whether or not you believe the guy. You cannot say that guy is not entertaining and will make you laugh your your butt off. Because when I watch his his uh, episode and he's hooting and hollering and raising his arms like a gorilla bed, I mean, it was it was hilarious uh, to hear him go back and forth. Um, and then he, Joe Rogan had him on with uh i think it was eddie bravo um on the first episode and it was a flat earth conspiracy theorist and you have aj saying that like no the earth isn't flat the earth is round and it made him look like the sane person not the conspiracy theory that and it was it was just a bonkers of an episode that i mean i that is probably most joe rogan episodes I only listen to once with everything. I, I mean, movie, I only watch it once. Okay. Why? I mean, I don't find value. Music's probably the only thing I re-listen to. Um, and that's because every time I can hear something different, hear something else. And you could probably do that in Joe Rogan or movie or something. But for me, I, look behind me. I got guitar. I got guitar amps. You know, it's a passion of mine. So it's the only thing I re-listen to. But that one, um, there's three of them, um, specifically the first one. The second one's good, too. The third one is mm, because that's when he Joe Rogan became on Spotify, and they were trying to fact check everything. And the funny thing is, every time they tried to fact check it because they were trying to be politically correct, it was like, oh, well, the New York Times did write this, uh, <laughs> you know, and it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, but the first one is by far the most entertaining, the, the craziest. Um, I don't even think it's on Spotify. I think it's one of the episodes you can only get maybe on YouTube. Um, but I, I suggest everybody go out there. If you want a good laugh, uh, watch that. But anyways, let's pivot back to talking about you um, in the last couple minutes that that we have. Um, you know, 
how you have a social media brand, you know, you have strength, courage, spirit, uh, spirituality. Okay. How did you go about building that? How did you get that to the next level? I went about building that by uh, networking with people and I would discover somebody on YouTube or possibly on iTunes and I would listen to their message and occasionally somebody would just resonate. I would hear the tone of voice. I would hear how they're talking. I would hear how they built their brand. Then I would reach out to them on social media. Maybe we sent emails back and forth and uh, occasionally they would hire me to come in their mastermind group and we would share ideas. But uh, I had the fortunate thing through uh, Oneness Magazine and some people at Oneness Magazine, I wrote an article uh, in page 42 there. I had the luxury of connecting with Seth Green and Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank TV. Like Seth Green from the, like the actual Seth Green famous person? Seth Green, not the actor, but Seth Green, the better, the other half of Shark Tank TV. There's a Seth Green actor and then there's Seth Green who owns Domination Marketing in New York. Uh, that Seth Green and Kevin Harrington, who's world famous for infomercials. Uh, I got lucky to get into their market, uh, their mastermind group with marketing, and then they uh, cultivated some ideas and we shared ideas. And then often I bounce ideas off people that I know are experts. And I say, uh, what do you think of this idea? Should I go on this podcast? Uh, they said, no, go, go on Road to Growth. They did say yours. And if you want to go on Sharkpreneur, we need to talk off air. I will, I'll, I'll network you to Sharkpreneur and you could go on with Seth Green if you'd like to. Um, but uh, through uh, study, I believe it's study. I, I believe I analyzed other people's method. I uh, prayed a little bit, meditated, looked for creative ideas to pop up. I've managed to uh, put uh, 39,000 people follow me on Facebook, uh, I'm still building uh, LinkedIn. I I forget where. I'm around a couple thousand on LinkedIn. I think with what you do, my personal opinion, and again, you have experts advising you, but um, I'm in the midst of the personal branding game because of the podcast, because of what I do, being an executive for a global $800 million a year company. Um, you know, the personal branding is important to me as an individual, but also for my company as well, too, because it's kind of like we both write each other's coattails in a way and we help each other. SEO, like me getting my name out there, it reflects good in, on Sador. Sador getting their name out there also reflects good upon me to a degree. Um, so I, I would say, you know, LinkedIn is probably the best place right now for the professional type of uh, networks. I mean, Twitter, even with Elon, I like it better, but I think it's, you know, still full of trolls and, uh, you know, still one tweet can blow up everything, you know, your life's work because uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's things like that. Um, Facebook though, I'm under the impression and maybe I'm wrong. I think Facebook is dying. I believe Facebook is dying also. And it was just the thing that seemed to work for me when I became an author. I got the most traction there. I believe if I have to, 
I believe that the network, I, I believe what will eventually happen. I think people just scroll. That's it. That's all they do on Facebook anymore. They scroll, they check for updates. That's it. They're not liking, they're not commenting uh, unless it's super political. They're, we're moving towards something like a hybrid, if you want me to guess or analyze this thing. And I believe that uh, Elon is going to bring uh, payment. Moving, moving money to Twitter, which will make it way, way better. And then he's bringing creators to Twitter. He sent me a thing saying, well, you can monetize some of your creative stuff if you want. He didn't send it to me. The marketing company sent me messages saying that you could monetize. Well, I mean, you have uh, Tucker Carlson going to Twitter. However, you know, he did announce that before they announced who the new CEO is. And from what I gather on the CEO, I mean, to me, in the surface, it does seem fine. But um, somebody like Tucker may have a, pa a problem given that person's ha uh, past that, uh, you know, worried about censorship and stuff like that, that it may fall under that regime. But maybe he trusts, well, Elon owns it. And if it goes down that road he'll fix it quickly. I, I believe Elon will stay neutral, and I believe that's the best thing for that platform. 20% on each side should hate it. I think he's right. Yeah, I believe that people should have strong opinions. They should let the other side speak, and we should let the chips fall where they may. And I believe Elon is trying to do something like that with Twitter. My guess is Twitter will become the most popular one in the next 10 years. The other ones will adjust to try to be Twitter-like and then it's kind of it's kind of hard to figure out which one will get uh, when the money is moved on Twitter and uh, when you get enough marketing. I think we're about to have a whole new change, a whole new, because of Chat GPT, um, not Chat GPT itself, but because of Chat GPT like stuff. We are about to experience a brand new, and then you start getting decentralized metaverse, all that stuff. We're, we're about to experience a brand new wave. Just as we hit a brand new wave back when we got MySpace, Facebook, eventually Twitter, and those in that time period, um, you know, those social sites, which replaced previous social sites, which were pretty much like ICQ or AOL chat, stuff like that. You know, it was an upgrade. I think we're on the verge that these networks are now dying. People are less engaged or using them less. And we're about to go the next step. We're about to make the next move. Um, I do have uh, two questions because I uh, we do have a hard stop here in about four minutes. Um, but two final questions I have for you. Um, first one, policing. How hard is policing today in this environment giving and again you remember this is not a political show but um, i i feel i would be failing my audience without asking a a former police officer um you know how hard it is policing today with everything that's going on around the police in general in this country um my personal opinion i feel we are overregulated. i feel we are over overlawed i guess you could say too many laws on the books anybody can give me arrest get arrested for anything at any point somebody is doing something illegal no matter how good you are uh you're doing something illegal that is an infraction of some code 
unintentionally, and you can be arrested at any time. That's how bad I think it is. And that's why I, I think that there is some sort of a broken system there that we maybe we just have too many laws for stupid things that shouldn't be laws. I don't know. That's my take. What do you think? David, I agree with you on a certain level that uh, we are probably over-policed in this community, but I believe that the way we're over-policed is super complicated. I think when people talk about police work, they think of a general police work in a thing, but but rural police work and big city police work are completely different. And you almost need a different police force in the rural and a different one in the city. As far as regulation is concerned, I'm a retired police officer. I will tell you, we were overregulated. The federal government is too big. They got their hands in too many things and life would just get simpler if we had a less regulated uh, uh, thing, this is going to sound like I'm copying out, but I'm going to be completely honest with you about the trouble with the police department. Okay. If you have an issue with your local police department, you don't really have an issue with your local police department. What you do have an issue with is your local uh, mayor, uh, governor. Uh, Most of the time, sometimes you just have a cop that's an a-hole i mean you've got to admit those those exist that's part of it and then i will i i agree with your statement and then i will say everything comes from the top down and occasionally when i was out on the street somebody would tell me if somebody's driving on a suspended license twice you have to impound the car and then i would tell them one if the person who's driving the car doesn't own the car. If they don't own the car, it's unfair to the person they borrowed the car from. Why should they get penalized for loaning the car? And if I loaned a car to you, I don't know what the status of your driver's license is. I, I'm, I'm in a, you know, parents loan their car to their kids or something. They don't know if this license is suspended. Uh, pure, purely, we're overregulated. There's too many books on, uh, too many laws on the books. And there has to be something done to streamline and uh, sophisticate our system so that we hold really serious criminals liable and we make a smaller deal out of traffic and other petty misdemeanors. Right, right. Now that's great. That's great. And I really uh, respect and appreciate your opinion on that. So Joseph, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an honor. And the very last question, because I did say two questions. The very last question I got for you is you have a book, you have your social media, you have all your stuff out there. How can people get in contact with you? How can people buy your book? Yes, uh, the easiest way to get in contact with me is Joseph Fair at uh, Facebook or Joseph Fair at LinkedIn. I prefer LinkedIn. If you go to Amazon and either put in To Die a Hero, End of Watch One, or Joseph Patrick Fair, that'll get you right to the link. Do you have another book coming? I do have another book coming. And what I'm focused on right now is writing magazines, articles for different publications. That is American Lifestyle Magazine, Heart of Hollywood, and then uh, Oneness Magazine. Anybody that goes to find me on social media will find links to articles I've written, uh, podcasts I've been on, and uh, I appreciate interacting with all the people that send me messages. Leave my book a uh, five-star review if you can on Amazon, and uh, I look forward to uh, 
coming back on your podcast if you want to. Uh, definitely, definitely. We've had a lot of people come back for a second time. It's hard because we have so many people that want to come on to the show, and that means I'm kicking someone off that's already been on. But especially a lot of those early, early um, people that came on the show, you know, they, they were friends of mine, people I knew in real life. Like our episode number 200 was Shiny Unsaw. And she's a personal friend of mine that I've known for over eight plus years, UCLA professor. She let me complete a bucket list item of speaking to a UCLA class. You know, I never thought that this dumb kid from the Appalachian Mountains in uh, coal country, Pennsylvania, would be given a speech twice to UCLA uh, class. But anyways... Um, you know, she came on, but she was also one of my first 10 episodes when I was still learning how to make a podcast, how to produce one, how to use the tech, how to make it work and stuff like that. So I, I try to cycle those people back in as I can uh, to kind of be fair. Like now the show's a lot bigger. Now we've got more of a following and now a lot more people are going to hear your message. So um, definitely I will have you on in the future because the show just keeps growing and growing and growing. Uh, Joseph, this has been amazing. Uh, it, you're an incredible dude. Great story. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, everybody out there listening, whether you're on audio platform or you're on a video platform like Spotify and YouTube, we will have a link down below in the description. Uh, we'll put his, uh, I guess, your LinkedIn link, and then we'll also put a link to the book for you. Uh, so that way you can purchase the book directly. Thank you so much, Joseph. Appreciate your time, sir. Wow, that was an incredible chat with Joseph, wasn't it? I mean, really, that was just amazing. First, though, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those morbid fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in the world of small business, Please share us out to your friends, your family, your colleagues, anywhere that you dwell on the interwebs, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, I don't care. Just share us out. I would love to see nothing more than Joseph, Patrick Fair, and Shark Bite Biz out there trending. Now let's get back to the real rock star of this show, Mr. Joseph Fair. I love this story. From police officer to finding out that he has a talent of being able to write and craft intriguing stories. I mean, We've covered a lot of career transformations in my time, but I don't think we've covered one like this before. And it is an incredible, you know, self-finding journey, I guess you can call it. Joseph has it all. He's an accomplished author. He writes for places like Heart of Hollywood magazine and many more. What I got most out of this interview was Joseph's willingness to not be selfish, but to use his skills either when he was a cop or now as an author to help people, to inspire people to move and motivate people. That is awesome. And that really touches my heart personally. The article that he wrote about me. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, he wrote an article, hardallywoodmagazine.com. You can find it. You can Google it. It's incredible. Uh, it is like the biggest fluff pieces I have ever seen. It's one of the nicest articles ever written about me. It is incredible. And I've got to say, it does put a ton of weight on my shoulders personally, but not in a bad way. It puts me 
you know, weight on my shoulders in a good way because it motivates me to be the best version of me every single day to live up to that high standard that he wrote about. It's not that the article wasn't true. It is absolutely true. But now I've got to continue living up to that standard every single day because, hey, it's out there. It's written. It's public knowledge now. And that's what I've got to live up to. And that's kind of what Joseph's gift is, in my opinion. He motivates people to be the best version of themselves. So awesome stuff, Joseph. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing your experience. I love how you love helping others. Please, please, please pick up his book. Again, it's To Die a Hero. Thank you so much, Joseph, for sending this out. And you wrote a a beautiful note. I didn't think you did, but I found it on the back page, not on the front page. Wrote a beautiful note for me when he sent it out to me. Joseph, you are amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep rocking out, my friend. You rock. Link will be down below in the description for both the book and how to reach out to Joseph. Uh, Question of the day. What do you think about the career transformation Joseph did? Leave a comment down on YouTube or on Spotify, wherever you're watching or listening this video. Do you want to be on the show? Interviews at SharkBiteBiz. You remember, if you're watching the channel, you can join on YouTube or Spotify. $3 a month, you can become a baby shark and help support us. Every dollar that comes in goes right back out into making this show bigger and better every week. We bring you amazing guests for personal, professional, and uh, business growth each and every week. We just had the CEO of Dale Carnegie last week. So, I mean, we're hitting home runs here with the type and quality of guests we have, but it's only because of support of people like you sharing this out, subscribing, helping us, giving us super chats, things like that, that really help us do what we do. Lastly, I one final shout out to our sponsor, Sador, S-E-I-D-O-R. If you're ready to automate those business processes, you want to take the next step up in your business, please reach out to Sador, reach out to me. We'll hook you up from mom and pop to large enterprise. We have a system for you. You all know this by now, but I'll say it once again. I'm David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you next episode. Ciao. You just experienced Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. Please like, comment, and subscribe to the show to help us spread the word about personal, professional, and business growth. Want to be on the show? Send an email to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. A special shout out to our sponsor, SAP Platinum Partner, Sador. Get off QuickBooks and move your business to the next level. Reach out for more info. Thanks for listening and see you next time.